0: got to let a little ACDC go a little longer. Yeah, for sure. Uh, 801 in the Capital Region. Kevin Carey is here with uh, co-host Eddie Steele on Fridays from 7 to 9 on Sports 1440. It was cool to have Ed Hervey on, wasn't that? Like, I mean, that's candid.
1: Yeah, it sure was. He keeps it uh, as real as it gets, uh, something that I truly uh, admire mm-hmm. uh, as someone who has been known to keep it a little bit real, maybe a little too real myself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, here's a guy that keeps it real for sure. Uh, mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet, our daily 8 o'clock hit uh, with Spec on the mark. I think that's what we're going with, Spec. I think you're okay with that or what?
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. How's it going this morning?
0: Not bad. Not bad. So, I mean, you've heard. Our co-hosts this week have been unbelievable, and I think you've been listening to Eddie a little bit. So, uh, I I don't know. We kind of hit it out of the park. We've got lucky with all all the co-hosts, and I mean, they're only going to get better and better, but uh, what a start for us.
2: Yeah, and you know what? The guy like Ed Hervey's been there, man. You know, I remember I was at that Labor Day game when he flipped out, was swinging his (laughs) helmet, and I, you know, he was a fantastic receiver. Uh, he is, like, he grew up in football. You know, he's a football man through and through, man. He didn't, he's, he, I think he was Compton. He Compton, came yep, LA, yep. Came up, you know, came up tough and hard. Uh, played big time college football in the States. You know, played in the CFL for a long time. Now he's in management. Uh, he, as I like to say, he's probably forgotten more about football than yeah. you and are ever going to know,
0: Kevin. Well, I went to USC. And then uh, Dallas Cowboys, yeah. Then ended up here. We all we basically got to Edmonton at the same time in the late nineties. Ed and I, and um, there was a time that back then you could go out and have a beer with the guys, and Ed was one of the guys that you could go have a beer with. And, yes, he was. Yeah, and you know, and Sean Fleming and Singor Mobley and all those mm-hmm. guys, they enjoyed that. They wanted to get to know media people, things like that, and that's what made. Again, that's how the, the, how close the team was in two thousand three. I mean, that was a big thing then.
2: Yeah, the CFL has always sort of been a little bit like the CFL players coming from the perspective of a media guy like you and I. The CFL players been a little bit, bit of a different cat because, first of all, they're not millionaires, right? You know, they're up here; they're not making a ton of money. They're they wanted just it's it's an experience in their life they're trying to enjoy, and that includes getting to know people and getting out and and you know, like you say, being in the community, not just making hospital visits, but Mm -hmm. going out for a cold beer at night and and getting to know people. And and I'm not saying NHL guys are different, but Conor McDavid, it's no fun for him if he just walks into a a pub at, (laughs) you know, at eight o'clock on a Friday night, he gets Mm -hmm. mobbed, right? He gets mobbed. It turns into an autograph session. It just doesn't work. I'm not saying anything negative about today's NHL guy, but they're so popular that it's difficult for those guys to go out. And, and I think, you know, that's probably the biggest difference. I'm not sure how many Edmonton Elks get spotted walking down the concourse in West Edmonton mall, but I'll tell you almost every Edmonton oiler does.
0: Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Mark Spector, our daily guest here on the Kevin Carey show, uh, with co-host Eddie Steele, seven and nine on Fridays. You can text us at 401 1440. Um, Eddie's got a question for you regarding uh, the Battle of Alberta, and Mark, you wrote that book on it, so uh, sure. you have a good perspective of it. And he kind of, we were talking a little
1: off air about the differences. So I think Eddie's going to roll one at you. Yeah, Mark, just based off that book, and we, everybody knows uh, how well versed you are in hockey, and. You've been around the Battle of Alberta for many decades now. I was just wondering, what types of parallels do you personally see uh, between the Battle of Alberta uh, on the football side of things? What can you give the listeners uh, in terms of what you see with football as opposed to hockey?
2: Well, I think the... I guess the biggest difference is everything CFL to NHL is longevity, Eddie, right? There's... You know, in order for a proper rivalry to get rolling and to foment and to, you know, what does, what's in a rivalry that makes it good? you got to hate each other a little bit, right? you got to have a history with each other a little bit. You know, those old Oilers and Flames teams, they were both really good and didn't have a lot of turnover. And as such, the same – and they played each other eight times a year. So And they were both Stanley Cup caliber teams. So they had all the elements of – Two teams trying to get after the same thing, meeting in the playoffs, hating each other's guts, absolutely five-on-five, pure Sixers every second night they met. That was the perfect rivalry. I'm going to tell you in the CFL, I'm not sure that there's not too much turnover that the guys on the other team ever get a chance to hate each other in the Stamps and Elks. Good point. Or is it a new guy across the line from you every time you play almost, right, Eddie?
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, you're absolutely I
2: don't know right. the answer to that. We in the media, we sure keep that thing going, and we keep the battle of Alberta. We prop it up, and we tell everyone that they hate each other. But you played, you know? Do they hate each other? I don't know.
1: Well, there is a hatred, but I think one of the biggest things, and you nailed it, was uh, the longevity and the lack of that in the CFL, especially now. Uh, with the introduction a few years back of the one-year contracts. It's good yeah. for players, but you just become a mercenary and you there's no opportunity for you to develop that hatred, no opportunity for fans to get to know players to buy their jerseys because they're just right. going for the highest paycheck year to year.
2: Yeah, and, and that's, you know, we go, all of us older guys go back to those days. When I grew up in Edmonton, I'm here to tell you, I'm 15 years old, I could name... the number of every guy on the Eskimos roster Mm. 40 deep or however many they carried back then, because it was, there was only a couple new guys every year Uh, today. It's the exact opposite. You know, the today's kid can name one or two that have been here for a few years and everybody else, man, it's, it's a new cat wearing a new number. And I will, won't lie to you. That hasn't been a strong point of the Canadian football league in terms of uh, you know, keeping the young audience. That's been a tough one.
0: You've hit that on the head for sure. And people notice that all the time. You you have to have a program every week. You know, you said it. I can name all yeah. those guys from the 2003 team. Can't name, you know, this year. It's yeah. tough. It's tough for sure. Uh, Mark Spector is our guest on the Kevin Carey show on Sports 1440 with co host Eddie Steele. Uh, so the captain skates for the Oilers have been going on for a couple of days now. You were uh, down there yesterday, Spec. I uh, had your article up on SportsNet. .ca. Uh, can you kind of give sure. our uh, listeners a little, uh, the gist of it, a little snippet, a little harbinger of uh, the genesis of that <laughs> article?
2: <laughs> well, you know what? One of the things that always gets me as a, as a journalist, okay, they lo- the Oilers lose to Vegas, and right after the game, guys are so disappointed, they're not ready to, to mm-hmm. you know, dig in and pull apart the reasons they lost. And then the next day we talk to them, and they say, ah, it's too soon. I don't really know what went wrong. <laughs> and then they go away for the whole summer, and then they come back and they go, ah, we're talking about, we're looking forward to the new season. And I always want to kind of find out, like, what lessons did we learn? What what were the, you know, what are the, I know what I think the reasons are the orders lost to Vegas, but I want to know what McDavid and Drysdale think. So over the last couple of days, we did ask them, you know, I asked mm-hmm. them, I said, take us back. Like, what did you think about this summer? What were the elements? And, Frankly, they both gave very much the same answer. You know, the the decisive factors, guys, we used to look at it and say, oh, there's five obvious things. Now it's little things. Like Connor McDavid said, man, in in game five, we're down in Vegas. There's five minutes left in the second period. We're up 2-1. Things are going great. And by the time the second period starts, we're down by – or the third period, we're down by two goals. So – you know, that five-minute stretch where Vegas scored three times, that was a very major part in that series. And five minutes out of a six-game series, guys, you know, that's that, that's not a big portion of time. But, you know, Seidel said it's the odd penalty here. It's the, the wrong decision there. Our system breaks down once or twice, and it's over. And that is the fine line that the Oilers are at. They're not at the point anymore, guys, where – their team's just not good enough, and they just don't have the right player here or the right player there. They're at the point now where they're splitting hairs, and that was the difference in that Vegas series, according to Drive Stable McDavid.
0: And Eddie, you, you, in football, you say a game comes down to five, six plays.
1: Absolutely. That's it. And that is the the season. The season yeah. comes down to so many <laughs> small little things. And, and speaking of the season, I was just thinking of this as you were talking, Mark, because I'm a football guy. You know, I, I yep. let the listeners know I uh, grew up in North End Winnipeg. So I, I understand hockey. I played quite a bit of shinny growing up. So I can I can dangle a little bit myself. <laughs> but. With an 82-game season, like it is in the NHL, does it truly matter where the Oilers finish this year? Do they need to be atop of the Pacific? Does it matter if they just get in? Because I know in football, you want to be first because you get that first-round bye, which is everything. Does that matter in hockey so much?
2: Not as much as it does in football. Not as much, because football, I mean, let's face it, you win, well, in the CFL, you win three games in the playoffs, you win the Great Cup, Right.
1: Two it's games, modern. even.
2: Uh, two games. If even. you have you're the right. buy, if, if you have if the you're buy in the division, you have the buy, and it's two. I stand corrected. So, for sure, in the NHL, you got to win sixty games, man. And it's to me. If you said to me, "What's more important, where I finish in the standings, or how I'm playing?" In March and April, I'm telling you, it's how you're playing in March and April. Mm. i got to have all cylinders going in March and April going into the playoffs. I don't care who the Oilers are playing. If they're playing their best hockey, doesn't matter. Uh, don't tell me that I'm just going to float in in first place and get an easy opponent. we watched hockey for long enough, guys. The eighth-place team knocks off the first-place team all the time. Yep. So, no, it's different in hockey than it is in football for sure, Eddie.
0: Speck, were you able to watch the NFL uh, Thursday night game last night? Watch the
2: whole game, buddy. Canaryous Tony. (laughs) That's what Eddie said right off the hop here. Don't have him the baby this morning.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah, that was that was a that was a struggle, you know. That really was uh that pick six where he gifted Detroit their seven points there. That ball was put right on his hands, you yeah. know. And you got to feel for a guy because with social media, you no, know, he's he's not kidding. Kidding. he's getting lambasted, you know. Hey,
2: everybody has a bad day. He had a real bad day. I don't know whether to say to say that that they should have kept throwing to him and show confidence in the player or maybe at some point you just shut her down and go, you know what, we're going to throw to somebody else. But I want to ask you this, and and Dave Naylor mentioned this on Twitter last night, and I have always thought the same thing. Why does a quarterback get nailed with an interception at a pick six against (laughs) his statistics when he hits a guy in the numbers with a ball? Like in baseball, right, if the third baseman uh, botches a ground ball, the guy doesn't get a hit, and the pitcher is not charged with a hit against. Right? Why why are – And if a football quarterback's charged with that interception, that pick six when it's clearly the receiver's fault.
1: You know what? This is going to be terrible radio, but I, I don't know, Mark. I truly don't, because especially when it's a perfectly thrown ball and it falls on the quarterback's shoulders, the negative stats, I, I don't have an answer. It's kind of like in the CFL, why with the waggle? Why are receivers allowed to be two or three yards offsides? Or we were looking at the offensive tackle for the Chiefs yesterday. That's a big Offside talking point. Day. Offsides all day, but all they let day. it slide. I, I don't get it. I, I don't get why they let these <laughs> These things happen when it's blatant uh, yeah. ru- going against the rules, you know? Like, I just don't well, the get it. the worst
2: thing was, sorry to interrupt, the worst thing was they let – I forget the guy's name. I'm, I tell you, I don't know the offensive tackle for the uh, – Yeah, guys, for the Chiefs. Yeah, they, they let him go all night, and then right at the end, at a really important moment, now they're calling it. I guess he just he missed the snap count and was even further. But my point would be – you can't call me on it in the fourth quarter if you didn't call me on it in the first three quarters, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You got to set the tone. You got to set the tone, and you can't all of a sudden, like you say, just call it because then what? It just goes against everything that we've been doing all game. Like what are we doing yeah. here?
2: I don't know what that guy was cheating all night long. I was sitting in Kelly's bar with a couple <laughs> of scribes watching it on TV from Edmonton, and I could see it. And all those trained NFL referees are letting it go. I, I, I couldn't understand it.
0: Oh, it was a, Well, it was a good start to the NFL season, for sure. There's oh no question about that. It was an exciting game. And er, everyone seems to be just loving Dan Campbell, coach of uh, the Detroit Lions. I mean, he's just – Eddie was just saying, I wish I could play for this guy.
2: Oh, man, and come on. Uh, Lucy's been pulling that football away from the Detroit Lions for as long as we've been alive, boy. Yes. Right? they've been a they've been a close but no cigar team. They had Barry Sanders, one of the best running backs in the history of the game, and they still weren't any good so oh my goodness, does that franchise not deserve a little bit of something? You're like they got some breaks last night, they won by one point, and they got a ton of breaks, and mm-hmm. let's hope it it's worth something to them because god bless the lions i mean that's been one of the worst franchises in the history of sports since we've been alive
0: yeah it has and i mean even like the thanksgiving day game you know detroit's always on the docket right off the hop and everyone wa- and, and everyone's polling smoked. for them yeah they would can you win come <laughs> on. just once just win make thanksgiving great in america again
2: <laughs> my goodness. Oh. they have lost on
0: turkey day yes for 50 years well, you know. <laughs> hey spec thanks for this what's up for the weekend i i mean not many weekends left at the lake what's shaking
2: uh, going to the, actually staying in town, going oh. to the football game on Saturday night. and looking Good, for to it. Good for yeah,
0: you. Good for you. Yeah,
2: can't wait. It's going to be a fun night, and uh, there's a little festival going on downtown, I think, with the beer gardens on the 104th. <laughs> I heard about it last night. You might have to just sample that. Why and, would uh,
0: you, I've never heard that you'd go to beer gardens before. What's that all yeah,
2: about? Yeah, oh yeah, baby, let's do it. It's uh, <laughs> it's not quite October, but we'll call it Oktoberfest. Oh,
0: we're going down to Oktoberfest for a bit.
2: We are. We should be going live from yes, there. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. All, All right,
0: boys. thank you Thanks for this, for sure. Mark Spector, our guest every day at 8 o'clock here on The Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Co host Eddie Steele on Fridays from 7 to 9. Uh, right after the break, we will hook up with our Roto Rooter headliner, Howard Balzer, from The Hall of Fame Show on Sirius NFL XM Radio. That's coming up right after the break. All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, just after eight twenty, just before we bring in our headliner Howard Balzer, our text line is open at one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. And wanted to bring this one up. From Al and we were talking about it with Mark Spector the fact about uh, players around town etc. This comes in as very uh, a very good point. I don't think that it's so much that the player as it is the new age fan these days. There were many nights you'd run into the Oilers or the Leafs etc. At Barry Tees or the Iron Horse in the early 2000s and fans just left them alone social media has ruined that and that's there's a lot of there's truth. a point there there's yep. a lot of truth to that all right let's bring in our headliner of the day brought to you by mr reuter they are sports fans like all of our listeners and are pumped up to talk sports radio and fired up that it is back for all your plumbing needs go to mr we welcome in howard balzer from the hall of fame show sirius xm nfl radio howard thanks for coming in how are you today
3: Doing well, doing well, Kevin. How are you doing?
0: Great. I want to introduce you to our co-host on Fridays, Eddie Steele from 7 to 9. Eddie, a former defensive lineman in the Canadian Football League, won a great cup here in 2015.
1: Howard, meet Eddie. Eddie, meet Howard. Howard, good to meet you, man. Good to meet you. Thanks for being on with us on Sports 1440 this morning.
3: My pleasure, Eddie. Good to meet you, too.
0: So, Howard, what did you think? uh, Just general thoughts on the game last night to kick off the NFL season.
3: Well, it was certainly unusual uh, for the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, who uh, usually dominate in week one of an NFL season. And uh, they, they they had won eight consecutive openers. Uh, Patrick Mahomes usually lights it up in the first game, and he wasn't able to do that. And the points they scored, the lowest they've scored in, 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 in Mahomes' career as a starter on the first week of the season was 33 points. And, of course, they only managed 20. And it was just unusual seeing the Chiefs and I'm not taking anything away from the Lions because I thought that they would play them tough and that they would come in. You know, you always wonder about a team that has a lot of outside expectations uh, during an off season of how they are going to uh, play because many times teams don't live up to it. So I'm not taking anything away from them, but you look at that Chiefs team and obviously without Travis Kelsey, without Chris Jones on the defensive line, and then with the other players they had just not coming up big uh, when it mattered, and Kadarius to Tony certainly uh, with the drops and the one that bounced off his hands resulted in a pick six. The one late and when the Chiefs had the ball and all they needed was a field goal to win the game, and he had it drop. And then you know we've seen you know we we saw a lot of that, which is unusual uh, for a Chiefs team um, anytime during the season, much less uh, the opener. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how this team reacts. What happens with Kelsey? You know how long is he out? How you know, if, when he does come back, how effective we, we will be. Uh, but that was obviously a big loss for them, and I think had a big impact on the results of that game last night.
1: Yeah, I personally think the Chiefs, they'll they'll bounce back and they'll be all right. There's too much pedigree there for them uh, not to come back on top here moving forward. And for the Lions, it, it's great to see. I'm happy for Dan Campbell. I really, as a former football player, I believe in uh, what he's selling and he's a player's coach. So I'm really happy to see that for them. Uh, I just want to shift a little bit uh, and get your, uh, a couple of your key stories for this NFL season. I know we're well underway now, uh, but I just was wondering if you could give me a couple of your key storylines that you're looking forward to covering and seeing throughout this NFL season.
3: There's so many of them. I mean, you, know, you could come up with great storylines everywhere, but I'll, I'll just start with this one as, as I just piggyback after what we talk, talked about with the Lions. And I've always, thought, I've, I've always thought that Jared Goff is one of the more unfairly maligned quarterbacks in the NFL. Everybody always thinks the Lions are looking to move on from him. And all he does is play good football and uh, when he's out there. And when a big factor last night is he didn't have any interceptions. I don't I don't know if this was mentioned on the broadcast. I didn't hear mm-hmm. it, but he now has, dating back to last year, a string of three hundred and fifty nine consecutive pass attempts mm-hmm. without an interception. And he jumped over uh two you know, two other players, including Tom Brady, and he now has the third longest streak of all time. So I think that's a big storyline with that. With that Lions uh, situation, elsewhere around the league, like I said, there's so many of them. Whether it's the Jets with Aaron Rodgers, I'll try to come up with some that aren't revolving around <laughs> quarterback. But you know, but but so much of that you know does have to you know have to do with what happens uh, with teams, and and in that AFC East, uh, which which looks loaded uh, with the other teams, obviously there, and you know the Bills and the Dolphins, and heck, even the Patriots. That, that's a big storyline. It's how will Mac Jones play now that he has a competent offensive coordinator in, in Bill O'Brien? So uh, there's, you know, you look at the Jaguars, you know, a team that caught fire at the end of last season while the Titans were, were headed downward. They won the division, and they look, they, they look like a team similar to the Lions that could be, uh, you know, ready to take another uh, big jump. Uh, this season, that that's a good roster uh, that's been constructed there uh, in J- in Jacksonville, and so man, there's just so many. You, know, you look at I I'm very intrigued by the 49ers, and obviously going into this season with Brock Purdy as the quarterback, and there's many that still have questions about him, despite any. I know it's a short sample size. He only they all, he's five and zero as a starter. Uh, the team has won five games when he's been the starter in the regular season. Will he pick up? where he left off before he had that injury against the Eagles in the big playoff game. So those are just a few, but I, I've always thought that the, the beauty of the NFL is, boy, you can come up with, a, with a, an intriguing, fascinating, significant storyline with just about any, any team, even the teams that are expected to be bad. There, there's, there, there's so many things going around with that team that you just don't know how it's going to play out over an 18-week season.
0: You sure do uh, If you've got a text or comment For our headliner From Roto-Rooter of the day Howard Balzer On the Hall of Fame show On Sirius XM NFL Radio Send it to us At one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. One other comment From last night's game What did you make Of the, the uh, Chiefs gambling Late on 4th and 25 A lot of comments Coming in about that uh, They had three timeouts still What did you make of that It, did, it didn't seem Andy Reedish to me
3: No it definitely didn't I, I thought that was incredibly bizarre uh, to see that happen first first of course they go for it on fourth and 20 then they get a you know false start yeah. on the right tackle juan taylor who probably could have been called for about 11 of them uh, during <laughs> during the game and then it's fourth and 25 and you figure out oh, they're gonna punt here but then they don't like you said they had the two when before it happened on fourth and 20 they had the three timeouts plus the two minute warning and to hear him talk after the game Mm -hmm. and basically come out and say that, well, you know, the Lions were moving the ball on us and he just didn't have confidence that uh, the defense would be able to get the ball back. And if you have the timeouts, you still have to stop the team from getting a first down. And and so I think that speaks to the absence of Chris Jones, who is sitting there in his suite Mm -hmm. at the game and is still unsigned and yet had one of the more bizarre comments, guys, that I've heard in a long time, He was at a charity event earlier this week, and some reporters were there and and asked him about letting his team down by not being present. And he said, well, no, I don't don't believe in that. I don't think I'm letting anybody down. And he says, anybody else in in their job, if they ask for a raise, does somebody say they're, they're letting anybody down? Well, it's a little bit different of asking for a raise but not showing up for work. And I think of one of us did that and asked for a raise in our job and then said, okay, you're not going to give it to me. I'm not coming to work. I think our bosses might say, well, don't bother coming again. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah. I thought, you I, later. I thought that was strange. Yeah. And it's, I, I know a lot of people say, well, okay, you, you, you know, you try to get what you want, but he's under contract for nineteen and a half million dollars mm. uh, for, for the, for this year. And so sure, you want a new extension, but a lot of guys end up playing it out in their final year. Mm-hmm. And so when you feel that your leverage to get a new deal is based on not being there for your team and you're arguably and probably the best defensive player on that team and one of the best defensive players in the league when you put when you put that up, you know when you put your own striving uh, you know at odds with your team I I've, I've, I've always had an issue uh, with that and I think that had a big impact on that game especially as the lions were able to run the ball late and it looked like on defense, uh, to a certain degree, the Chiefs were wearing down. So I think that probably entered into Andy Reid's, uh, you know, decision. Even though obviously fourth and 25, fourth and twenty, is a very, very a long way. difficult. Uh, yeah exactly first down to get
1: I want to keep on Chris Jones here too as well because you mentioned uh, he did make some of those comments and he said he didn't want to be a distraction and when I saw him in his suite too I thought man that's exactly what you are is a distraction everybody knows you're at the game kind of awkward but uh, in terms of his holdout How long do you think he realistically would hold out for? Do you think, because he's been on record saying he could hold out upwards to eight games, half a season. Uh, He says financially he's okay, which he is if he's making 19 mil a season. Do you realistically think he will hold out uh, as long as he's saying that he would?
3: It seems like he will. I guess we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm sure in some ways he's thinking in the back of his mind now, and you would have to say selfishly, well wow, boy i mean they they realize how much they miss me they've got to come and you know meet my price in terms of a new contract
1: It'll leverage. we had
3: Nick, yeah we had Nick Bosa of the 49ers who just you know signed his contract in the last 24 to 48 hours after he had been holding out all summer and but they they got the deal done and i'm sure that's what Chris Jones is probably uh, probably hoping for and so but if it doesn't happen then it certainly wouldn't surprise me to stay out. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, 19 and a half million, If, you know, you don't play for eight games, then, mm-hmm. that, you know, that's over a million dollars <laughs> a game yeah. that you're making. So that's scary a little bit that you say, well, I'm in good enough financial shape, that I don't need 8 million bucks. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty <laughs> it must wild be nice, so, yeah, for sure. No re- yeah. There's no reason to think that he won't. And he's certainly obviously being clear and sending that message that he's willing to do it unless the chiefs, you know, jump up and, and, you know, give him pretty darn close to what he wants.
0: If you got a text or a question, uh, one coming in on our one 401 1440 text line, and it was just basically that, do you think Chris Jones is getting terrible advice from his agent? Well, that comes from Craig and Red Deer. Uh, who knows exactly where it's coming from, but I think Chris Jones is smart enough that he's making a lot of the decisions in, uh, himself. So I know uh, you also do a lot exactly- of work with the Cardinals. Yeah, that's
1: exactly right.
0: Uh, yeah, exactly, Howard. A lot of work with the Cardinals, and we, we have a guy that played here at the University of Alberta, uh, Carter O'Donnell, who was picked up off waivers uh, from Indianapolis, uh, went down to Indy from here. Uh, so he's, a, well, he's not exactly a household name in the NFL, but up here we're pretty happy that a guy cracked a, a roster and uh, was picked up on waivers. So could you kind of just, uh, and I know you probably don't even know a lot about this Carter O'Donnell guy, but an offensive lineman, Canadian, he's from Red Deer, uh, picked up. He's a big guy. So... Um, you know, with for a Canadian to crack a roster, it's a big deal for, for us up here. Uh, do you get any feeling of someone, maybe from the outside, an unknown maybe coming in and, and maybe establishing himself, himself on the Cardinals roster?
3: Well, you, you never know. Uh, there's always the opportunity for that to happen. The strange thing with the Cardinals, though, is he was the fourth offensive lineman that the team claimed on waivers uh, last week, and they ended up then cutting some guys that were have been with the team since throughout the off season and so right now, when you look at this team going into the first game of the season, their starting line is intact, but everyone, everyone's wondering who's going to be the backups on game day that would play obviously if something happened to one of the starters and whether <laughs> and you, you wonder how many of the, you know how many of those guys are going to be active and then Kelvin Beecham. The one guy on the backup line that had been there all offseason and has started for the Cardinals over the last couple of years—he's a backup tackle, swing tackle now. He suffered a hand injury in practice Wednesday and did not practice uh, yesterday. And so, if all of a sudden they need three guys to be active, and you just wonder—are they going to elevate someone from the practice squad, or are they going to have active—you know, these three, uh, you know, three of the four? Mm offensive linemen that they brought up from waivers who will have had a handful of practices and you wonder about how ready they would be to play in a game when having such a whirlwind occur and so o'donnell's in that in that you know competition obviously with the other three guys he is one of those those four that's a pure tackle so if beecham can't play maybe maybe it will be him they do have a tackle Mm -hmm. on the practice squad uh, that they can elevate to the roster to be able to play and so yeah I think it's you know, it'll be interesting with you know with all these guys how, how many of them will last and they have to try to make an impression on the coaching staff pretty darn quickly if they're going if they're going to stay and remain uh, with the team so you know we'll see how that plays out.
1: This is Eddie Steele co-hosting on the uh, Kevin Carrier Show on Sports 1440. We're talking all things NFL with Howard Balzer. Howard, I'm going to stick with the Cardinals, and I just want your honest opinion. Uh, is there any hope for optimism around this team? We know the the issues at quarterback and uh, Kyler Murray's hurt right now. Not a strong roster. Is there a reason for optimism for the Cardinals fan this season?
3: It, it's hard to create any optimism in terms of actually winning games now we you never know in the nfl what will happen but you know that that roster like you said there's a lot of issues with it it looks like on sunday they're going to be starting a quarterback joshua dobbs who's only been with the team well he was acquired in a trade on august 24th on a thursday before their final preseason game but didn't have his first practice with the team until several days later and then they cut who everyone thought was going to be starting is Colt McCoy. And so how will that, you know, play out with, you know, with a team that, you know, they they have some, you know, they have some good players on that roster, but you wonder about the depth, you wonder about defense, especially on the defensive line and how they're going to match up with some of the teams, with a lot of the teams in this league that just have more talent at their disposal i think they'll play hard i know that that's a cliche you you always i mean that's what guys are supposed to do they have a lot of players on one and two year contracts that are playing for jobs uh, and you know just because you made the roster now doesn't mean anything in the nfl and they're playing for contracts next year whether it's with the cardinals or with 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 another team out there i mean guys they, they signed 21 players in the offseason and around the six weeks between the start of the league year in March and then until the draft, they, they re-signed or signed 21 players, and none of them got more than a two-year contract. And only seven got a two-year contract. So you, you really wonder about this team competing over four quarters in a game. And so, yeah, there, there's not a lot of room for optimism. I and mean, You look at the schedule to begin the team and, and the quality club's that they'll be playing. And I think the fans are pretty realistic about it, at least before the season starts. But you know how fans are. Hmm. As soon as you start losing games and they start looking to blame people and they'll start saying, well, they're not prepared, the coach isn't good, they shouldn't have hired Jonathan Gannon, they should have hired somebody else. (laughs) We'll see if that begins if they start losing games. But like I said, it's hard to imagine how they're going to win more than three or four in this season, and some people don't think they'll even win that many.
0: Our Roto-Rooter headliner of the day is Howard Balzer. And uh, how lucky are you to, and you got your fingers in a lot of pies, but how lucky are you to host a Hall of Fame show uh, to talk to all these greats? And um, I know you guys lost Gil Brandt recently. I've got a Gil Brandt story for you after you kind of respond to just uh, being able to talk to all these greats all the time on uh, Sirius XM
3: NFL radio. Most of the time I have to pinch myself mm-hmm. and say, okay, I'm talking to a hall of famer now. And especially over the years that we have uh, done this show, we just started our ninth season uh, of this show where I co-host with Joe Harrigan of the hall of fame staff. And then of course I do shows in Canton during the celebration weekend. I do a show every year uh, after the uh, new class is announced and you brand- ties into that because Mm -hmm. when i started a serious you know more than about a decade and a half ago i started doing those those shows i always did them with Gilbrand, and that was great in itself and then meeting and then of course meeting a lot of these guys in person you get to know them and you're just getting to know them as guys and so like i said i have to pinch myself sometimes say hey these are hall of famers never for one moment take this for granted Mm -hmm. and so uh, to have been doing it for eight years and hoping to continue it uh, for as long as possible. It's, it's really a blessing uh, that I'm involved with that.
0: How amazed were you that it seemed Gilbrandt could remember a player that he scouted 50 years no. ago?
3: <laughs> oh, my goodness. And when I do shows with him, I also would co-host at times a show on serious late hits, an evening show that he, would, he used to do two times a week mostly with Alex Marvez, but when Alex couldn't do the right. show, Gil would always say, I want Howard to be the guy that fills in. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then to hear him not only remembering players, but then when he, someone would come on and they, they'd talk about where he was from and you know some small town in Montana or whatever, and he'd remember restaurants and the highways <laughs> yeah. and all those things. And obviously that comes from years and years of scouting and going all over the country – uh, finding players and it's it's it's, it's just incredible th- that he would able he would be able to remember you know all that and translate it to the audience i mean he was referred to as the godfather yes. of serious radio and i was blessed not only to have done the shows with him but also to have been on the hall of fame selection committees and the contributors committee when he finally got his call to canton and w- was elected uh, for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And that was mm-hmm. tremendously gratifying that uh, at that late age, he finally got that honor that eludes so many people uh, for so long. So it was tremendous to get to know him. Sad, obviously, yes. to lose him. But, boy, you you, you talk about a football life. And that is one that is just incredible.
0: I'll throw this one out to Howard Balzer of the Hall of Fame show on Sirius uh, XM NFL Radio, our rotor rooter headliner of the day. So when Gil was in Dallas in the 70s, uh, he scouted an undersized linebacker out of East Carolina, um, went to the Dallas Cowboys, uh, and he was undersized. (laughs) There's no question about it. It didn't work out for him um, in Dallas, ended up coming up here to Edmonton, and carved himself into one of the greatest CFL defensive player his, players in in history, and his name was Danny Ray Kepley. And Danny Kepley's turned into a good friend of mine. Talks about Gil Brent all the time. He's back in uh, East Carolina now, North Carolina, pardon me. Uh, so that he would always say, "I don't know how he could remember this after all these years," but <laughs> it, it's just one one example of, of, of a Gil Brent story.
3: Yeah, and and you know the incredible thing those players that he would you know, sift through the weeds to find, you know, back in the day when there was no um, number of players in training camp, there was no limit on how many players you could have in camp. He wouldn't, they would, the Cowboys would have, when other teams were having 15, 20 rookies in their, in their training camp, the, the Cowboys would have like, he'd bring in like a hundred rookies. Mm-hmm. And I'm not exaggerating. And, and, and just with hopes of finding one or two, Some were basketball players. Some were guys that weren't that highly thought of. And he knew that, hey, most of them, like like who you just mentioned, were probably going to be moving on. But then they'd find that one or two that would make it, and many of them had incredible impacts on the Cowboys and the NFL. And so he uh, he, he was so upset when the NFL came to that decision at one point to to limit how many players you could bring. It's a training camp overall, and so that obviously cut down on the number of rookies uh, you could have, but that helped shape a lot of those Cowboys rosters as as they became one of the best teams consistently in the in the National Football League.
0: Well, Howard, it just had a blaster. We went way over our time limit, uh, but can we do this again?
3: Absolutely, anytime, guys. Yeah. How's it.
0: tomorrow sound? No, <laughs> <laughs> <just kidding. laughs> hey, enjoy uh, the Sunday uh, slate of football games. Uh, thanks for doing this.
3: My pleasure. Take
0: care. All right. That's our headliner of the day brought to you by Mr. Reuter. Howard Balzer, the hall of fame show on Sirius XM NFL radio. Mr. Reuter. There's a reason why they call them Mr. For all your plumbing needs. Go to Mr. Dot. C. A. This is the Kevin Carey show with co-host Eddie Steele on sports 1440. All right. Welcome back uh, to the final though, 15 minutes of the Eddie Steele co-hosting uh, Kevin Carey show. And Eddie's having a, well, I hope a good time. I think Eddie's been, uh, very knowledgeable, very excited to be here. He's been talking all, everything about uh, Elks getting ready for the big game uh, tomorrow, last night's game. One uh, texter come in from Corey, Kevin, and Eddie. The extra point to be made in last night's Lions win is that Mahomes won't lose to another NFC North team, maybe NFC period uh, this year, uh, which gives the Lions a better chance to win the division. Can the Lions win that division?
1: Uh, Well, I'm a Vikings fan, so no, they can't. It's impossible for them to. Oh, cool. (laughs) But it's been fun, Kevin. It's honestly this morning. It's flown by, you know, and geez, we're sitting here talking sports. How could it not fly by, man? This has been great. Uh,
0: text her from Oliver Steve. Uh, how's Danny Kepley doing these days? Love that guy. Well, he moved back down to Carolinas. Uh, I talked to him a couple months ago. He's doing he's doing well, golfs. Um, wanted to be closer to family. Um, so we got to be pretty good friends golfing every, every Sunday with Marie McCord at the ranch for oh, about yeah. 10, 12 years and really enjoyed that. So we wish our best to... To Danny Ray. So uh, Eddie Steele uh, will be with us every Friday, 7 to 9. What are you doing now, Eddie? And what led you to kind of put your roots in Edmonton?
1: Yeah, well, uh, the reason we're in Edmonton um, built a ton of great relationships while I was playing. And what's actually incredible is so many former teammates that I played with have retired and now are established out here, have their families. There's uh, a good core of us with young kids, so yep. we get to get the kids together and see each other. So that's really nice. But work uh, really is what brought us here. Uh, Post football life, I was playing with the Riders, retired after 2018, and. Uh, a really good opportunity. I'm involved with a, a chemical maintenance company, so I do uh, sales for them. Mm-hmm. I travel across the province. I probably drive about six to seven thousand kilometers a month. Ooh. So I live in my car, home essentially every night, which is very important to me to be uh, be home with the family. But uh, yeah, so I do I do with uh, business with a lot of different facilities, such as hospitals, rec centers, arenas, different public works, different municipalities, and I deal with maintenance chemicals from boilers to grease traps to wastewater treatment to hvac to drain maintenance so it's uh very multifaceted and you know i've established quite a big territory and i'm very fortunate now uh, to still be able to dabble in some media and to be able to be here with you and to uh, talk sports man it's been great
0: Uh, we're having a blast with you um a Personal text from the coach Brian Dickinson comes in and said, "In the heyday of the Double E, the two of the scouts, Ray Newman and Frankie Morris, and I, I mm. met Mr. Morris when I first got here a long time ago. So yeah, uh, really good football guys yep. uh, for sure. Um, one of the things that we, we talked about and when we were thinking about bringing you in here, um, when you were at six thirty, Ched, you had comments. They were one hundred percent. You hit the nail on the head." The organization didn't like them Mm -hmm. and basically said, we don't want Eddie on the air anymore. So can you run us through that? And what was that period like? You had a lot of guys, media guys in your corner. And a lot of people weren't happy about it. But run us through that time a few years back.
1: Yeah, so uh, as everybody is pretty well known now uh, that they it's Chad fired me because I had some critical uh, analysis of the then general manager uh, Brock Sunderland and just the overall organization and just the the way the ship was steering in the direction that it was going. I, I smelled something funky was up and uh, hey look, Ched hired me to be an analyst. Uh, I played the game. I know the game inside and out. I played it for almost a decade and uh, I was just a player, but I was a captain on every team. I was a smart player. I was in touch with the business side of things too. And I just didn't like what was going on. So I, I pointed the finger at Brock. I, I didn't speak, um, you know, negatively, like in terms of cussing him out or calling him down like that. I just said, look, he's the captain of the ship and this is where the boat is going. Mm-hmm. And uh, I point the finger at him. Uh, I think I hurt some feelings by that comment. Um, I understand now the partnership yes. <laughs> between. Chad and and the team, and I understand there's a fine line you can walk, but I was just speaking my truth, Uh, so I get fired for that, and what really vindicated me, look, you never want to see someone lose a job ever in life, but when the team went and fired Brock at the end of the season, two months after they fired me, for literally every single thing that I said... Uh, It just proved that everything I said was the truth. And like you said, many media guys reached out and said, hey, we love that you did this. And it resulted in some really cool opportunities because that year I got to Sportsnet. I have a good relationship with Arash Madani. And he reached out to me and I was able to go out to the Grey Cup and do some TV work for Sportsnet. So it really opened up a lot of doors uh, because of that negative, uh, negative that happened by me getting fired from Ched. It presented a lot of cool things for me. And here I am sitting with you. I probably wouldn't <laughs> have this opportunity if I didn't get fired from Ched. So it's it's a blessing in disguise. It really was. Well, we're glad to have you for sure. Uh, um,
0: one other one for you that uh, a lot of people, I'm sure they probably know, former U of M, Manitoba grad, the Bisons play the Golden Bears tonight. Bison pride. Yeah, you're fired up about that uh, you're going to go to the game?
1: Yeah. So. yeah, I'll be at the game. Yep, yeah, playing U of A. I think kickoff's at 7 tonight. Yeah. And, uh, I have uh, a rich, uh, deep proud alumni. I won a Vanier Cup with the Bisons in 2007. So, you know, just a little humble brag. I'm one of the few guys. I know a couple actually in my personal circle, but I'm one of the few guys that's won a a great cup ring and a Vanier Cup ring. It's a pretty, pretty elite club. It's
0: kind of cool. How much did Brian Dobie mean to you, the head coach of the Manitoba Bisons for decades, mean to you to uh, get you to where you are today?
1: Yeah, he, uh, he did a ton for me. He, he believed in me. He really mm-hmm. did. Uh, he gave me a full scholarship coming out of high school. I was a young, dumb punk. Didn't do the right things my first year university. I lost that scholarship. Uh, was able to regain the trust of my coaches and regain the trust of Brian Doby, who actually through my hard work got my grades up, gave me my scholarship back. But giving me again that opportunity—you hear that word out of my mouth so much because that's what life is really about. And Dobie he pro- provided me that, and uh, I took it and ran with it and. I wouldn't have had a, a nine-year pro career if it wasn't for Coach Doby and what he did for me throughout my college days, especially because I was such a young knucklehead like <laughs> most of us are.
0: Uh, Eddie Steele our Friday co-host here on the Kevin Carrier Show, Sports 1440. Eddie will be with us every Friday from 7 to 9. A texter from our line at 833-401-1440 from uh, Kyle in Millwoods. Uh, I have an uncle that used to play for the double E. Glenn Harper. I don't know if you know Glenn. He's a few years back was an old punter. Glenn's been coming to uh, our uh, Easter Seals Golf Tournament over the years, so off and on. Uh, But the question is, do you
1: keep in touch with old teammates and things like that. Absolutely, I do. And like I was saying earlier, that's the beautiful thing about Edmonton. I saw quite a bit when I was playing my two, my last two years with the Riders in 2017-18. I saw lots of alumni and old players, retired guys living in Regina. And I thought that was kind of the hub. That's where a lot of guys retire because there's a lot of opportunity for guys outside of football when they retire. Lo and behold, I moved back to Edmonton, and I realize just from our Grey Cup team alone from 2015, there's like 15 to 20 guys out here retired, and Mm -hmm. we're all in the same age, same demographic. We have young families, so it's really special the fact that we all call Edmonton home, and we can maintain those relationships because as we age, we can age together. We can have those friendships, and we our kids can grow together. And it's what it's about. Like I said, is having those relationships. It's very special. Well Eddie thanks for coming in uh, today I mean it was seamless I mean it's like you,
0: you well we know if we need a co-host eh uh, Duke if, <laughs> if I'm not around or you're not around uh, Eddie Steele's going to be jumping in the chair I think so appreciate you coming in look forward to next Friday already and enjoy football this weekend I mean you got tonight then you got tomorrow Elks and Stamps full slate
1: uh, NFL on Sunday too.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward. It's going
1: to be a great weekend. And, man, just what a great job you've done this week, Kevin. It's a pleasure to be with you, man. It's been
0: great. All the staff here. I mean, the Duke, he's on, uh, I think he's worked about 20 hours a day here. So. Uh, been, the forgotten been, one, the forgotten there. man. Yeah. He's so tired. We, I, he said, just l- leave me off the mic a little today. I need some time to just have a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a, a break away from just being one hundred consumed on the board. So
1: yeah, it's been fun. All it's right. been fun. Yeah.
0: Okay, Eddie, we'll see you next Friday for sure. Uh, that's uh, Eddie Steele. He'll be with us from seven to nine every Fridays. When we come back at the top of the hour, we'll talk Blue Jays baseball with Caitlin McGrath from the Athletic. Time now for a sports update with the Duke.